1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard. Time to catch up with the head coach of the Utah State Aggies, Blake Anderson, coming off a uh, win over New Mexico State, a huge Mountain West showdown coming up against San Jose State. Coach, how are you? Hey, Coach. I'm doing good, guys. I'm doing good. So uh, after a, a couple days to decompress and watch some film, uh, evaluate what you saw against New Mexico State, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's like a golf shot. Sometimes it's never as good as you think it is, and sometimes it's not as bad as you think it is. Uh, when you watch the tape, what jumped out at you as you recap that game? Sluggish, ugly start and a great finish. Um, really just kind of exactly what I thought. We, we were a little body, – body language was sluggish early in the heat. Took a took a spot surprise a little bit, even though we talked about it. I haven't felt that kind of heat in a while, and and we just were a little off. Uh, drop here, uh, a busted um, defensive look. Um, you know, just just not taking that extra step. I think we 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 really came out a little sluggish, and then we responded responded really really well, but didn't did not start how we wanted to. I'm hoping it's a huge eye opener for our guys. Talked about it in detail last night. Showed film of what the first quarter looked like, what the third quarter looked like, completely different football team. And and really just the reality of it, we can't afford to come out like that in any of these games down the stretch or we're, or we're going to lose a game. But you just were not in a position to, to come out uh, first quarter and play sluggish or not be completely uh, alert and ready to play. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that we – it. I'm hoping it saves us a, a lesson down the stretch that we, that we learn from this. Coach, I'm starting to wonder if – if you're like Newt Rockney or Vince Lombardi or, you know, one of your great halftime speech guys, because it always seems like coming out of half, things are, are way different. Are you uh, walk into the locker room at half energized and yelling or how, how do you handle halftimes? They've had every kind of halftime conversation with me. You can imagine from screaming and hollering to just circling them up and, and having a really very honest conversation i think we have a we have a mature group of guys a lot of these guys are super seniors older than than your typical uh senior and, and at times i just treat them like adults and say look guys we're you're screwing up i mean you you know we have to change this we're not fixing a change the plan we're not we're not going to throw out the offense and defensive call sheet we're going to go out and call the same stuff and you're going to have to you're going to have to do the little things right and this group has responded to that that's kind of what the conversation was Saturday. Um, I, I, I raised my voice so they knew I was serious, but but it, it really came down to point blank. Guys, we're not playing like we're capable of. I told you all week this was possible, and you need to go out and fix it. And, and if you do, we're going to win. If not, you're going to regret the way this one looks when it's over, so so make a decision. And I got out of the way, and the leadership of the football team took over, and they went out and responded. So, um, no, I'm not some miracle worker. I just am very transparent and honest with them. And I'll get in their tails when they need it, and they have gotten that some this year. But Saturday was just really just guys, you're you're messing, you're playing with fire here. You best get moving, and we did. When we talked after the game, and I had Logan Bonner on the post game show, and he said the interception he threw was probably the worst decision he's made in several years. And then I talked to you about it, and you verified that yes, that was not a particularly good decision. <laughs> um, but uh, but he responds, and you know he throws four touchdowns and over three hundred yards. Is that just kind of his makeup, where he's he's got a short term memory like that? A little bit, a little bit. You put the ball in the air as much as as we do, and as much as he has, honestly, since he was in junior high, the guy threw for a gazillion yards in high school. I, I'm not sure where he ranks, but it's pretty high in Texas high school football 
in terms of passing yards, you, you cannot let the last play keep you from making the next one. Now, you do have to learn from it, and he should have absolutely thrown the ball away there. It was beyond stupid throw for him, especially with the many reps that he's had under his belt and how we coach him. So in that sense, yeah, you need to learn from it, but you cannot – it cannot slow down your ability – to pull the trigger when needed. And that's the thing that, that comes with experience, too. He does not let that play keep him from expecting or being willing to put the ball in the air the very next series or the very next play, for that matter. And that's something that you, you only get from experience and really just kind of a, a mentality of, all right, I, I, I won't do it again. And I think that's something that we benefit from with him is that amount of the amount of snaps he's had with pressure – on his shoulders with people coming at him and with the game on the line. And he played great down the stretch. He just, just kind of make a place in the mate. You got to throw that in the 12th row. Does the ability of Devin Tompkins sometimes uh, make, make a quarterback a little bit more confident than, uh, than he can, he, he can throw a ball up there and he'll go up there and grab it. Yeah. I think he saw 13 running back there and, and just like, well, he'll just go get it like he always does. But <laughs> there were way too many maroon jerseys in the area. Uh, and, and he's got to he's got to make and it, you got to make that decision quickly. It, you don't have a lot of time to think about it. You got about a split second. It's no different than a, a an, you know major league hitter trying to decide between a slider and a fastball. But he he does they do get confidence in a guy that just tends to go rip the ball out of the air. And that was where the, the ball was headed. But it was still a poorly thought out, poorly thrown ball, and and, and should have been a throwaway. So, Coach, when you sit back and watch this one and you're just looking at different clips, it feels like your defense was just living in the backfield against New Mexico State, especially in the second half. But your big guy, Moore, and whether it was Bond or, or Justin Rice or Von Pachon, it felt like those guys were just in the backfield. Did you go into this game thinking we're going to kind of unleash the beast and and let our linebackers go a little bit try to push into the backfield or, or was this just a circumstance of guys playing hard and physical well we we kind of started the game out rushing four and and hoping that we could get home without having to bring pressure and, and honestly we just weren't getting the success we wanted out of that and the good thing doug, doug martin does a great job he picked he was just kind of picking away at a swing route here you know slant route there cross route. he was doing a really good job i thought it was a good adjustment by the defensive staff to to start adding some simulated pressure, some movements and some blitzes. And we did obviously raise the level of how we were playing. We we played with much more intensity and effort on into the second quarter, but honestly in the third quarter it just we lit it up and it, it continued. We uh, it was a combination of both. Uh, I think a little bit of a, a lethargic start, but also we just weren't getting quite what we needed out of just a pure four man rush and uh, as the game went on, some simulated pressure, some blitzes, and then some guys did. Marcus Moore won in a one-on-one. Um, Patrick Joyner won in a one-on-one. Byron Vaughn won in a one-on-one. Those are things we didn't get in the first quarter that we did get through the third and fourth quarter that allowed us to really make the quarterback uncomfortable and, and didn't give him a whole lot of opportunity to move the ball at that point. So uh, Nevada had 30 rushing attempts for only 53 yards against this San Jose State, uh, San Jose State defense. This is a really good front uh, that you're going to go up against. How difficult will it be to run the ball against this defense? Uh, it's going to be a huge challenge, there's no doubt. They, to me, they look a lot like what we saw in, in Boise and BYU and Colorado State on the fronts 
we we ran the ball okay, but but obviously didn't set any huge numbers on fire in any of those particular games. It's going to be tough to get it done. They also rushed the passer extremely well. Their edge players are dynamic. Uh, our offense line is going to have to play great ball, and we're going to have to stay balanced and commit to the run, even though at times it won't be real pretty. Uh, we we we've been able to do that. It's been frustrating, but. I'm hoping that, again, our, our, the way we operate, the way we play, the tempo that we play at, I'm hoping as the game continues on that, that those runs will look better and better. And we've seen that in, in you know, most of these games we've won where two- and three-yard runs turn into six- and seven- and eight-yard runs later in the game when we need it most. So we're going to we're gonna have to commit to it and be balanced without being, without being stupid. I mean, we, we can't just put ourselves in, in bad situations either. It's kind of interesting watching San Jose State. It's it's almost like they they like to get in a dogfight and they like to wait until the very back end of the game and and let it be decided. It feels like every game has, and and it, it may be even a similar feel to what what your team has done, but but not quite as dramatic. Uh, they like to be in a dogfight. What is it like playing against a team that will finish strong? How do you how do you express to your guys how important it is to come out in the fourth quarter because. San Jose won't quit. No, no, they won't at all. And, and and they're in a position where it's kind of win or go home for them. They've, they've lost a couple games with, I think, limited personnel. Uh, and and they, they can obviously see themselves in a position where they can't afford to let any more games slip in the conference play. Uh, they're, you know, they got the quarterback back on the field, I think, that they rally around. And you can see a spark uh, lit underneath them the other night, even though it wasn't quite enough to get the win. Uh, these are two very evenly matched football teams. I'm sure the game is going to be a, you know, within a one point spread, which is exactly what I expect it to be. And our guys are going to have to know. And, and I think we'll we'll make sure and, and continue to talk to them. It, it'll be 60 or 60 plus minutes to get a win on the road at their place. This is basically the same team that won the conference title last year. When you consider super seniors, I'm not sure that there's they're missing anybody. That 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 went, you know, into that game and beat Boise last year to raise the trophy. So, uh, you know, you got you want to be the best, you got to beat the best and and until somebody else is holding the the trophy up, they're still the reigning champs. We got a we got a huge task ahead of us. When you play a quarterback that's been around as much as Starkle has, is there a lot you can do to try to confuse him or it's just like, hey, he's pretty much seen everything. We just got to go man up and play some good football. Well, a lot of times you got you do have to try to at least make the looks a little bit tough to decipher. Uh, there are going to be certain times in the game where we got to lock up man-to-man. They know it. We know it. He knows it. And guys got to make plays. But I, I do think you can you can make him uncomfortable a little bit, make him move off of his spot where he can't pat the ball. That's got to help. I, we can disguise some things in the back end and, and change some looks up for him and at least make it a little difficult for him to know exactly what coverages we're in. But it seems to be, and, and if you look at games, especially competitive close games, there comes a point in time where everybody knows exactly what's fixing to happen, who can execute, who can get the play done when they got to. Can you win in a one-on-one pass rush? Can a guy make a one-on-one defense of the play, you know, of the ball? Um, all those things, it, it, it's going to have that moment in the game and how we respond and how we play in those areas because he can make all the throws, and he has seen a lot of it, and he is very comfortable under pressure. Coach, I've always I've always tried to decide what it is that differs a guy like Tompkins from any other guy that's his height or his size. And here you are coaching the number one yardage leading receiver in the country, 
and he's not overly big. I, I, I would imagine he's got great cuts and runs really tight routes, at least from what I've seen. But what is it that separates him? What makes him the leading receiver in the country right now? Well, the thing that makes Devin Tompkins who he is is his work ethic on a daily basis. He is one of the hardest-working dudes I've ever coached, if not the hardest. Every rep is exactly like a game rep. Uh, that is not something that everybody is capable of doing. It is rare to see you know, your best player be the hardest worker. When you do see it, it is normally special. In this case, it is. Uh, I think back to guys like you know, a guy like Brian Erlacher that just brought that intensity every day, came to practice every day like it was a game, and you looked at how his career uh, you know, continued on. I've had guys like that. But, but it's just it's hard, to, uh, it's hard to really put into words exactly how that translates to game day, but you see it with him. He also elevates and, and just has a knack for playing the ball at the highest point. You think back to this year, how many times he's gone above the rim for a guy that's five foot eight? He's gone above the rim and played like he's six five. And a lot of guys wait for the ball to come down to him. He doesn't. He naturally goes and attacks it. He does it in practice. He does it in drill work, and it carries over to game day. And he has made some huge plays. Where, I mean, if you look on paper, he's covered. There's a guy in his hip pocket, but he is able to go attack the ball at a level and at a point in the air where other guys can't defend it really and it allows him to maximize his you know catch radius from a five eight guy to to really a six plus you know a tight tight frame and, and that's rare for for guys his size blake anderson head coach at utah state big one against san jose state you'll hear it right here on the zone sports network coach we appreciate your time thanks for joining us thanks coach absolutely guys take care